Amen. Now we remember from Scripture that four times the Bible tells us the just shall what? Shall live by faith. So this faith stuff is not some pie in the sky thing, you know, it's just for a certain part of the camp or the body of Christ. It's what righteous people do. It's, it's how we live. And because it's a prescription for life from Almighty God, we need to understand what it means, not just to get saved by faith, but how to actually live by faith as saved people. Righteous people live differently than the rest of the world. We're supposed to be different. Amen. Amen? Look at somebody and say, you're supposed to be different. You're supposed to be different. You're supposed to be peculiar. I'm supposed to be peculiar. And lots of you are actually living up to that reputation. Amen. Amen. Uh, so that's what we do. So if that's the case, then, then we in the ministry have a responsibility to make sure that you understand how to actually live by faith. And not just tell you, well, hang on for dear life, trust God, believe Jesus. Well, that's great, but how do we live by faith? How do we walk by faith? And what I've tried to do, I believe by direction of the Spirit of God, is make it as simple as, as, as possible that we can understand how to grasp this concept of living by faith. Say it when we walk by faith and not by sight. It involves, first of all, hearing. Because there will be no faith unless we hear. It doesn't mean physical sounds or sermons or Sunday school lessons. Listen, if, if all it took was hearing a Sunday school lesson or a sermon, the entire country would be baptized in faith. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about hearing the Spirit of God in the process of the Word of God going forth so you actually hear. When Jesus said, if anyone has ears to hear, he wasn't talking about the paddles on the side of your head. He was talking about the ability to push out all the clutter and all the distraction, all the religion, all the nonsense, and actually hear what the truth of God's Word actually is. But hearing is not enough. We then have to believe the things we actually heard. And that means we make a conscious decision. Say, it's a decision to believe. It is not mystical. I absolutely want to kill that sacred cow. Faith is not some mystical thing that happens to some people. And while they've got it, I don't. It's a decision. He says, this, I decide to believe it. And I pointed out in a message several weeks ago that, that you know, you see people believe in some of the dumbest things in the world. Why? They chose to believe it. There are people who choose to believe right now the earth is flat. They live in this country. I hope they don't live in your neighborhood, but they live in this country. Some in this town, they believe the earth is flat. Now, how do they come to that? Some mystical experience? Somehow, some way, they decided, say they decided, to believe the earth is flat. Well, I read where the Bible tells me that God is a good God. Amen. Yes. Taste and see the Lord is good. He has goodness stored up for those that love him. I what? I decide to believe that. I decide to believe that I can be saved. I decide to believe that the Holy Ghost is real. I decide to believe that the promises of God are real. But believing is not enough. Lots of people believe, but they don't see much manifestation. To my hearing and my believing, I have to add saying. Because you and I were made in God's image, which means we are speaking spirits. And we have to actually declare or say or agree or confess what God says. That's how you got saved. Believe it in your heart and saying with your mouth. The Bible says you have the power of life and death where? And you have delegated authority from Almighty God to produce life or death in your life. And if you don't like the direction your life is going, all you know, you have to turn the steering wheel and go somewhere else. 
Amen? Again, it involves consciousness and decision. It's not just some mystical thing. You actually can speak words at will. You're the only creation on the planet that can choose form, fashion, and speak words at will. Amen. Why? You were made in God's image. But saying's not enough. There are a lot of Christians that uh, that have heard, they believe, they're saying, but they would sure like to see a whole lot more manifestation. And the holdup might be in the fourth aspect. And so the, to break this down as simple as possible, how if somebody asks you ever again, or if you try to rehearse this in your own mind, okay, I'm going to rehearse this and let me get this down. How do I walk by faith? I hear, believe, say, and then fourth, I do. Come on, shout that out with me. I hear, I, hear, I, believe, I believe, I say, I I do. Now, if you hear what God says about a matter and you believe what God says about a matter and you say what God says about a matter, then you do what God says about a matter. And you do that every day of your life. You're walking by faith. Amen. I absolutely want to demystify this thing because it shouldn't be confusing. In fact, we'll get to this probably not today, but Hebrews talks about the faith lifestyle, walking by faith as an elementary teaching. Why are we still in kindergarten when it comes to faith? Well, that falls on the fivefold ministry. Not just to preach at you, but to teach you. Under an anointing where the Spirit of God can actually instruct you in these things. And so from now on, listen, we're, we're not only going to receive this church, we're accountable for it. That's the flip side of having this explained to you in a way that you can grab and run with it. Say it with me. I hear. I believe. I say, I say, and I do. And, I do. and a lot of people are simply missing out on God's best because they're not getting to the fourth part. Yeah. The doing. You mean I have to do what God says? Has, has it come to that? Yeah, you got to do what God said. But I'll tell you, there are amazing promises for doers throughout the Scripture. <laughs> the stories in the Bible of those who chose to do. And what happened to them? And there's stories in the Bible where people chose not to do. And things didn't go well for them. Can you see how God has set this up? Every step of the way, he has taken our free moral agency. And he has set before us, the scripture says in Deuteronomy 3, life and death, blessing and cursing. And he tells us what? Now choose life. But every step of this lifestyle, he has put before us the option to choose, to decide one way or the other. I can decide to hear. You're here tonight. You decided to hear. Yes. I also understand and believe that you're going to decide to believe. Amen. And you're going to decide to say. You're going to decide to do. But these are choices that we make every single day. So from now on, every single day, whatever is going on, if there's an issue going on, there's lack, there's a sickness, you know, there's a battle, whatever it is, whatever you're believing God for every single day, you're going to hear, you're going to believe, you're going to say, and you're going to do. Come on, say it with me. I'm going to, I'm going to hear, I'm going to believe, I'm going to say, and I'm going to do. And I don't care where you go from here or whatever else you're exposed to, if you grab a hold of this, you will now know how to walk by faith. Amen. Amen. Say, I know, I know how to walk by faith. Now there's a decision to walk by faith, to actually do it. And you know, the funny thing is nobody can do it for you. God set it out as plain as he could for you and for me, but he can't do it. Every once in a while, I'll just be hearing something on a, on a television set or whatever, and it will just strike me. 
And how many know that when you're hungry for the things of God, every bitter thing is sweet? Yes. Say, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Say it again. Say, I am hungry. I'm hungry. Anybody ever white CSI Miami? Yeah. The science is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, any of those you know, shows where you're talking about forensics and how they nail people with even the most minute piece of evidence is very interesting. And there's some characters on there. And... Uh, and one, of course, is the lead character, Horatio, who's, yes, it's funny, these guys do everything. These guys, you know, run all the, all the tests and everything, they go out and arrest everybody, and they, I mean, they do it all. I mean, I don't think Miami has a bigger budget than that, but, <laughs> but they, they do it all. And uh, Speedo was working with somebody, a kid, and he, he tried to insert him into one of their investigations, and uh, this kid ended up killing himself because he had a lot of problems, and Speedo felt, you know, really bad about that. And here's what Horatio said. He said, you can watch over people. This is just profound. You can watch over people. And I mean, know some of us are called to watch over more than others. But all of us watch over somebody. You can watch over people. And here's what he said, but you can't make choices for them. That's right. Amen. Boom. Hello. That in a nutshell it determines whether we are victorious or not. And on a lot of people in the ministry feel the same way when somebody washes out or somebody turns from God or somebody decides, you know, they're not going to live this lifestyle. But we can't make those choices for them. Right. We can certainly put it out there. Yeah. And that's the example of God. Not to make people choose life, but to give them the opportunity yeah. for life. And that's what we're supposed to do in the Spirit-filled, Word-based ministry is lay it out so somebody has the potential to run with it and see great things happen in their life. The good thing is God is no respecter of persons. Every person in this building tonight can be extremely successful and victorious. Have the absolute dream of a life that God has destined for you to accomplish everything you're supposed to, to touch the lives you're supposed to. And I can watch over you. In fact, Scripture even uses that language. Shepherds watch over your souls. And you should help us and not make that a burden. Can I have an amen? amen? Because we have to give an account. That's right. Amen. And some pastors, that they hear that and they go, okay, that means that I'm responsible for the choices they make. Well, guess what? No. They're not. Just like parents are not responsible for the choices the kids make. But they can certainly lay out the life and the death, the blessing and the curse. And that's what this is all about. So I'm not only teaching you about how to walk by faith. I want you to choose to walk by faith. Amen. Choose to do what the Bible tells you four times to do. Mm-hmm. It's not fair. Walk by faith. Live by faith. Just live by, and not explain how to do that. That's where I was as a baby Christian for several months in my walk with God. Just asking God. Now that I understand it, I'm almost too wordy about it. <laughs> I was joking with Tim. Um, this See, this message, the return to faith, not all the return, that's much, much larger, but the return to faith alone is now 14 pages long. <laughs> not including tonight. <laughs> um, yeah. I think it's important for our church, especially this juncture, to know how to walk by faith and not by sight and then choose to do it. So we'll be talking about it tonight, and we're really going to spend some time honing this uh, Sunday morning. So pray that people will, will just choose. They're going to hear. They're going to believe. Amen. They're going to say, but then they're going to actually do. So let's dive into this tonight and get to a little bit into it. We've got to do what God says to do about that matter. We hear what God says about a matter. We believe what God says about a matter. 
you know, we, we say what God says about a matter, but then we must do what God says about a matter. And go with me over to James chapter 1, just kind of lay a foundation here with some scriptures. From time to time, somebody will ask me, what's my favorite book of the entire Bible? And James is, because of the standard for maturity that it gives us. If you'll study and apply James, you will be on your way to maturity. Now, that said, James is not easy to receive. There's some challenging things in there. And if you're not careful, you'll misapply them and misunderstand them. But uh, James 1, verse 22, when you're there, say, I'm there. And right out of the starting gate, this is what he says. Do not merely listen to the word. Now, that word merely, almost like, you know, uh, there's no value to listening to the word. Now, that's not what he means. But he's saying, don't do this by itself. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Well, Pastor, why would he say don't deceive yourselves? What's the deception? The deception is very simple. That in actually hearing the word, everything's going to be all right. The deception is in hearing the word, I'm actually living the lifestyle of faith. You're not just by hearing the word. You're deceiving yourselves. And how do you understand self-deception is the worst kind of all? I'll run across people, they'll make this decision on a dime, won't pray, won't seek God, won't see God the counsel. And you know, the devil's coming in and telling them this and working on their minds and working on their emotions. Next thing you know, they're unplugging from God's best and God's plan for the life. At that point in time, nobody can tell them anything. Because the one number one characteristic of a person who's deceived is they're deceived. <laughs> they have already decided to what? to align themselves with something that is not God's will for their lives. That's why we have to be circumspect, as, as Creflo talks about, walking around like a barefooted priest, observing with your feet and your every step the topography underneath you to make sure it's what? It's smooth and it's right and it's healing and it's wholesome and it's not glass and rock and things that will destroy you. You have to, that's the responsibility here. So in other words, it's a lot easier for us to stop deception, right, before it comes. Because once it comes, that's me. So the deception is, hey, I go to church. I heard a sermon. I went to Sunday school. You know, I actually listened to two whole CDs last year to one of them in church. And some people, they, they hear, you know, somebody's going to a believer's convention, and they're going, they're going to go to a 9 o'clock session or a 9.30 session, and two sessions in the morning, two sessions in the afternoon. It's a long session at night, and do this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Saturday night session. And then some people take their vacation and do this. Their family thinks those people are nuts. Because yeah. their, their perception is, okay, we, we get drugged to church once a week, maybe every three weeks we'll go according to standards now in America. And the idea is somebody going to church 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 times in one week is insanity. Except for one thing. They know something that the person who scoffs at that did not know. That time under the Word is going to transform their lives. Hearing is important. But if you think hearing is all that matters then you're deceived. Yeah. Amen. Do what it says. Amen. I mean, that's pretty plain. <laughs> if you hear the word, do what it says. 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and he immediately forgets what he looks like. Amen. It's like getting up for work tomorrow morning and not looking in the mirror and walking into the workplace with bedhead. Amen. Yeah. You forget what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. Do you see this? There's seriousness about the hearing here. They're intent on this. The perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard. So what is James saying here? If you hear something and don't do it, it means you forgot it. Whether you've consciously, mentally forgot it or not, practically speaking, spiritually, you forgot it because you're not doing it. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, come on, shout that out, doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. James lets the cat out of the bag. That is the reason why some people live God's best blessed life and some people don't. They want to talk about sovereignty and God playing favorites. So, you know, and I was born on the wrong side of the track, so I was got in the wrong family, uneducated or whatever, didn't have all the advantages of everybody else. I was in the wrong culture. I've got the wrong color skin. I'm in the wrong town. I'm in the wrong state. That's a bunch of nonsense. You'll find in the Bible a wide variety of people blessed of God Amen. because they chose to hear and do. Amen. Say it with me, hear yeah. and do. And if you hear and do, you'll be blessed in your doing. Amen. Say it with me, blessed Bless. in the doing. I'm sorry, but it doesn't say blessed in the hearing. It doesn't say blessed in the believing. James didn't say blessed in the saying. James said blessed in, in the doing. Amen. Uh, makes sense, doesn't it? Say, I'm blessed when I do. Doers, not just hearers, are blessed. But I would tell you, there are millions of Christians in America, I'm not even saying they're not saved, but they actually think they're actually walking by faith and living this lifestyle out because they went to church and they heard a sermon. We used to play that game, little 10, 12-minute sermonette, you know, walk out the door feeling like we're all that, like we did something special. In reality, we didn't know a thing. Didn't learn a thing, didn't have anything. And it wasn't so much a decision of somebody else's as it was a mindset that we had. Um, I tell you that uh, when you've been, you've been really blessed by God to move beyond that kind of casual, callous, compromising Christianity, you're blessed. Yes. Look at somebody and tell them, I've moved beyond that. We may not be perfect, but at least we have value and understand the need for us to actually grow and learn and discern something. That's on you and that's on me. Uh, when I got born again and spirit-filled, I mean, within one or two days, I found an old Bible that I was given years ago, and I began to read the thing, and I discovered 1 Corinthians 12 in there, which absolutely blew me away, that the gifts of the Spirit were here, they were real. I was reading about the baptism in the Holy Ghost and thinking, hmm, we don't hear much about this in Lutheran church. No. Everybody say, God bless the Lutherans. <laughs> Why would I say that? Because the Lutherans fell from yes. their example. Luther was a tongue talker. Yes. And many, many miracles ascribed to his ministry. Yes. 
as well as the revelation of justification by faith. Now, he, he wasn't perfect. He hated James <laughs> because he couldn't get past the, the combination of understanding faith and the doing, and that kind, of, that kind of threw him. So he didn't think it belonged in the canon, but nobody's perfect. Amen? At the same time, it, it's not that, that, you know, people held to this example. They, they, they moved away from this example. I'll give you another one. Um, there was a time when hundreds of thousands of spirit-filled Methodists gathered together for the purpose of missions and reaching the world with the gospel. And that's how the Assemblies of God were born, from some primarily spirit-filled Methodists. It, it's not... That, uh, that they're doing something weird, whatever it is. It's just somebody has left their heritage of faith. Yeah. Turn to somebody and tell them, don't lose your heritage of faith. Say it again, don't lose your heritage of faith. And the same thing can happen today within the charismatic world, within the Word of Faith world, within the Symbols of God, within other you know, Pentecostal organizations. They can walk away from precious things because that's what denominations tend to do. Of, of, you know, thank God you and I aren't called to be a denomination. You're called to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Amen. You're called to walk by faith, not by sight. When uh, people came after John Osteen and he said, you know what, that what you teach is not in our denominational handbook. He held up his Bible and he said, well, it is in this book. And that's where your allegiance has to be regardless. And, and now people will poke fun at things like, you know, like positive confession, poke fun at things like, you know, confession in general, poke fun at things like, you know, God's provision and prosperity and the message of God supernaturally providing for his people. And yet, Brother Hagen, who is known for his teaching on faith, who, who believes strongly in the mighty provision of God, and when people got out of balance, he would rebuke them. He would teach them. He would challenge them on things when he felt like they were going overboard on, in something or going to a ditch. But when he was in his 30s and his kids had holes in their shoes and there was very little food on the table and he was a starving young, young pastor, there was a man who served in China up until Chinese missionaries were kicked out during the, uh, the Chinese Revolution, the Cultural Revolution. He went over there as a Christian Missionary Alliance missionary, which is not a tongue-talking fellowship, which is not a, a movement that believes like we do. And uh, this man got over there and got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Well, while he was towing the company line, everything was fine. When the organization found out what had happened to him, they cut him off financially. Could you imagine a denomination leaving somebody in a foreign field with no money over some doctrinal issue? That's exactly what happened. And he had to learn to believe God for his very existence in a foreign land. And he learned the principles of believing God and trusting God and confessing the word and sowing seed and believing God. And he became very prosperous in the process. He one day became an executive press one of the top 12, 13 leaders in the Assemblies of God in, in the United States. And a brother Hagen came to him and said, I don't know how to believe God for my family. Would you teach me? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? Yeah. I'm saying that it's possible for people to forsake their heritage of faith and start criticizing people who have not. Well, I'd rather be criticized for holding on to my heritage of faith. Amen. Than going down the stream of unbelief and doubt and fear. My point is, we're connected to some of the greatest people, amen, who've ever walked the face of the earth. And you're entitled to that revelation. You're also entitled 
to whatever God is doing in their life. In fact, today I was just casually reading about Abraham again. You know what it said? It, the Bible tells me that I am Abraham's heir. Yes. yes. Amen. <laughs> Come on, say, I, I am Abraham's heir. I am his seed and I'm his heir. And not just a spiritual heir. The boy was loaded. So I want my inheritance. Turn to somebody and tell him, I want my inheritance. Why? Because the Bible calls me his heir. Amen. You understand? Now, right at that moment, somebody can say, well, I, I don't believe that. That was a choice. But don't judge me because I chose to believe what the Bible says. That's how this works. You know, most of us in this room can't even comprehend the life that God has for us if we'll just listen, heed, and do what he tells us to do. Amen. This is not some, you know, not rocket it really isn't. But it's a matter of choosing to do it God's way and being consistent in that. And not paying attention to these competing voices, not being discouraged and not getting up and down, all that stuff. You know, just being steady in the Lord. James chapter 2, since you're already in James. Look at verse 18. I'm Abraham's heir. Yes. Me too. Anybody else out there? Amen. Yes. Somebody said, I don't care about Abraham's inheritance. Okay, that's fine. Just pass it this way. Just. Amen. I am. Heritage of faith, heritage of believing God, amen. Heritage of trusting God when there's nothing in the natural to believe God about, amen. James in chapter 2, verse 18 says this, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. James is saying someone's trying to put a, a dividing line between these concepts. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Now, let me stop here and say that uh, we don't get saved because of what we do. No, we, don't. we get saved because of in whom we have believed. And we heard and we believed and we confessed and we did what he told us to do. He told us to believe in our heart and do what? Say with our mouth. And in doing what he told us to do, a miracle happened. The greatest miracle of your life. Going from death to life, from darkness to light, from defeat to victory. Amen. From sickness and death to, to victory and health and life and peace all the days of your life here and in eternity. A miracle took place. Yes. But because we are saved, mm -hmm. amen, we operate a certain way. We operate in a faith that also includes the execution of adding deeds to that faith. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So let's say somebody heard and somebody believed, but that person doesn't say or do. In the case of demons, how many know demons do not confess the same thing that God said, and they do not do what God told them to do? In fact, the devil and those that followed him out of hell, the one-third, did just the opposite of what God said to do. So what's he saying here? You, uh, If you have a person in a pew somewhere and they believe what they're not doing, they're no different than a demon. They believe and shudder. But they never got around to doing what? And they don't have the opportunity to. You and I have the opportunity to get right any day of the week. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? You foolish person. Say what you mean, James. 
Do you want evidence of faith without deeds as useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. Now, you know, just explain this to you. You know, he he was told what to do. Everybody say he heard. heard. And at some point in time, he had to what? He had to believe. The Almighty God was talking to him about his son, this son that he had to believe for in the first place, that he had in his old age. At some point in time, he began to agree with God in his words. How did we know that? We knew he had faith, and we knew he was speaking faith words because he told his servant, we'll be back. Which according to Hebrews means that he, he believed one of two things. God will provide a substitute. Or God will literally raise the ashes off of this altar. That's right. Amen. But we will be back. You see what's happening here? He heard. Say he heard. He, heard. he, believed. he believed. And he said. Yes. But that's not where it stopped. No. He literally had to put that boy on that altar. Yes. And begin to go through the motions. And he was just about to strike. Amen. When God intervenes. You say, what was the point of all that? God was showing that Jesus would be our substitutionary sacrifice. What about Isaac and Abraham as it was foreshadowing what God would do in Christ? But did God commend him for doing that? Absolutely. What if he heard and believed and said but wouldn't do it? Walking by faith requires that we act on what we say we believe. It requires that we act on what we say we believe. Reading further on this, his faith was made complete, mature, or whole by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? Don't ever minimize the action taken in faith in your life. Amen. She wasn't just a prostitute. She was the harlot of harlots. She ran the most successful brothel in that part of the world. She was worldly. And if you'll open up your Bible sometime, you'll find out that she is in the lineage of Jesus Christ for all eternity. How can that possibly happen? <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, that means there's hope for you. That's what that means, right there. <laughs> there. There is hope for you. If God could do that with Rahab, yes, amen. Amen, yes. What a wonderful example. Yes. As the body without the spirit is dead, when the spirit is ejected from the body, what happens to the body? It's gone. There's no more animation. There's no more life. There's no more function. Absent from the body. Present with the Lord. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. In other words, it must go from hearing, believing, and saying to doing. Listen to what the apostle said in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. For indeed... The gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Now, what does that mean? It means they heard. Everybody say heard. Heard, But the word which they heard did not profit them. Now we're getting to the meat and the potatoes here. How how is it going to profit us? The hearing alone, does it profit us? 
explicitly the apostle says the hearing alone doesn't profit us. It didn't profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So this idea that uh, I you know, go to church and go to an hour and ten service or whatever is once every three weeks and I heard something so everything's going to be fine is erroneous. And in fact, it's a false hope. If they're not actually getting around to doing the things they're hearing. There's a teaching in this church we do, and I'm, I'm sure you know Wilma recently covered it because those uh, notes were given to her, and it's important that you understand that there's a reason why we're emphasizing faith right now. It's an assignment from God. But uh, in that is, is a teaching that Happy Caldwell from Agape Church in Little Rock, Arkansas did for years and years and years. And it just shows you that there are actually six levels of faith. Say it with me, no faith, no faith. little faith, little faith. Weak, faith. weak faith, strong faith, strong faith. great faith, great faith. Perfect, faith. perfect faith. How many like to have perfect faith? No. Well, at least not, let's, stay, let's not stay down here with no faith. Amen. 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 No faith, say it, no faith, no faith. little faith, little weak faith, faith. Weak strong faith, strong great faith. faith. Great, great faith is what Jesus said the Syrophoenician woman had and the centurion had. Remember that teaching? Yeah. And then there's perfect faith. What James talks about, a perfect faith. A perfect faith is where somebody believes enough to actually do what it says. Write this down. Perfect faith means mature, complete. It means it's, it's operational. And that's the thing that kind of hung up you know, uh, Luther a little bit on this particular book and being part of the canon of Scripture. But I want you to see this. That that's what it's all about. James 2.22. Perfect faith is always marked by believing something enough to take action. Yeah. Say this to me. Perfect faith, Perfect faith is marked by, is marked by believing, something believing something enough, enough to, take to take action. His faith was made what? Complete or perfect or mature by what he actually did. Ecclesiastes says it like this, 12.13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, fear God. Amen. Means honor, reverence him, respect him enough to obey him, fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. <laughs> Go back to James. What does it say? You'll be blessed in your doing. Say to me, the blessing is not just in the hearing. We will never get to the doing without the hearing. So don't, don't let me say I'm minimizing that. I'm not. I'm simply saying too many people stop with the hearing or with the believing. Um, most Christians, unless you're taught the power of the tongue, unless you're taught the principles of confession, you never get past the believing part. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. But there are a lot of people who have been taught the principles and the power of the tongue and about confession and are not getting the kinds of results, are not profiting going back to James' concept because they're not getting around to actually doing what it says. Your job, my job, is to make sure, to the best of our ability, when you were honoring the revelation we've been entrusted with. And by honor, I mean love God, honor Him enough to actually do the things we're told to do. Turn to somebody and tell them the blessing is in the doing. Now, I want to spend uh, just a, a couple of minutes here with you. 
over in Deuteronomy 28 as an illustration. Deuteronomy 28. And the reason I'm not going to go past verse 14 is a very good one. Anybody know why? Because according to James 3.14, Christ redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abram might come to the Gentiles by, by faith or believing. Everybody say, yay, am I under the curse? That was enthusiastic. That was. Say, I'm not under the curse. Shout out, I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Which means now the blessing should be activated in your life. Now watch this. A lot of Christians don't really understand they are redeemed, but they are. They believe they're forgiven, they're going to heaven. That's great. That's where we want them to go, don't we, church? Amen. Um, but they don't fully walk in the full understanding of what they've been redeemed from, which is, of course, uh, you know, spiritual death, sin and sickness, and, and poverty. Say it with me, spiritual death, separation from God for all eternity, sickness and, and, and uh, you know, and uh, disease in all of its forms and various forms, and then lack or poverty is actually part of the curse. Say, I'm redeemed from that. Why should you not put up a spiritual death? Because you've been redeemed from that. You can have the life of God right now. Abundant life in Him. Do you believe that? He came and you might have life, life more, abundantly to the full, until it overflows. You shouldn't put up with anything less than the abundant life. And if you do, then you're not walking in the full redemption from the curse as it pertains to spiritual death. You shouldn't put up with a lie that says you made a mistake so God doesn't want you in his presence. That's under the curse. Condemnation, shame, guilt, all under the curse. When you do something wrong, you run to him, not away from him. To run away is to act like you're under the curse, and you're not under the curse. You're not perfect yet, but you're not under the curse. Amen. Amen. There's a reason why you should resist sickness and disease with everything on the inside of you. Because it's under the curse. Amen. Amen. We don't live in a vacuum in a little bubble. You know, we are here fighting the fight of faith. That's what this lifestyle is called. It's a fight. It's an agonist of mind. But a lot of people don't even get into the ring. They don't even put the boxing gloves on. They just throw out the white towel and that's it. You should resist the devil and every bit of his work. Amen. And sickness and disease is not the work of your father. Part of the problem is there's confusion about the nature of God and the nature of the devil. God is a good God. Say, he's a good God. God. But sickness and disease are under the curse and you've been redeemed from it. Whether it is a headache or cancer or something else, you should should fight and resist and throw everything you can at that. Because that's not you. You've been redeemed from that. Amen. And even if it appears there's been some kind of a defeat in that area, guess what? Up out of that grave, that person's going to come. And there is nothing on the other side. You will be redeemed and you will live redeemed from sickness and disease for eternity, whether you want to or not. But you've also been redeemed from poverty. I said you've been redeemed from poverty. He paid the price so you would not have to be in lack of substance in this life. But if you choose to go ahead and live under the curse of poverty, when you get to the other side, 
Boy, have you got something to learn quickly? There is no poverty in the kingdom of God. And it never happened. There was no poverty in the garden until what? Till sin came in. But didn't Jesus deal with sin? Yes, he did. Well, if he dealt with sin, then he dealt with its after effects, didn't he? Right? Spiritual death, sickness and disease, and poverty are all after effects of the curse, which was introduced because of sin and not through God's doing. So don't ever blame God for spiritual death, sickness and disease, or poverty. It's not what he did. When you see a little little child with a swollen belly on the other side of the world, man did that. In the inspiration of the devil, God did not do that. I'm just telling you, there won't be any swollen bellies in heaven. Amen. Amen. Now why bring this up? Because... Even though we've been redeemed from the curse, that doesn't mean that everybody in the body of Christ is actively walking in the fullness of the blessing, as Tim talked about on Sunday. Um, why? It's a decision. Now, it's not a decision if you don't know. Yeah. You can't decide yea or nay unless you know. There are millions in the body of Christ that by default have ignorance. They don't even have the ability to choose yeah. because they don't understand these things. Are you with me tonight? But you and I aren't ignorant. No. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now those of us who are presented with a revelation that we are redeemed from the curse and we can walk in the fullness of the blessing, now it becomes a decision. What do I do? Go to Deuteronomy 28. And I'm going to read 1 and 2 and then talk about after effects of the blessing not after effects of the curse. Say it with me. After effects of the blessing. The people lots of times have no problem believing in after effects of the curse. I see that. You need to see that the blessing has effects. And it shall come to pass. Well, we should stop right there and celebrate it shall come to pass. What does that mean? It shall happen. This is going to happen. It shall come to pass that if you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee high above all the nations of the earth. And he goes on to talk about these various after effects. But remember, hearken means to hear with an attitude and a commitment to do. You know how you should sit in every service? With an attitude to hear, to do. Say it with me, to hear, to do. Now some people don't even want to come and hear. Amen. Maybe you've been that way before. Um, Typically you're not going to come out on a Wednesday night. But to have an attitude at the inception to hear to do is how you set yourself up for these effects of the blessing. I'm going to say this, and I want you to get this deep down into your spirit. Out of uh, the, uh, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, came hundreds of additional laws. Some of them line up with Scripture through the ancients and through the scribes and the, the Pharisees and teachers, and some of them were, were just bondage, to put it very, very blunt. 
But here comes Jesus in scriptures like Matthew 22, and he says, uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said all the law, all his, hang all the law and the his promises and, and the things that he has promised us, they're, they're dependent upon what? Love. Well, yes, everything hangs on this commandment of love. Now, Brother Copeland talked about it as a golden curtain rod, and all these wonderful things are on that curtain rod. Everybody say, I love that curtain rod. That command is the love command. And on that curtain rod are all these wonderful effects of the blessing. So here's what's happened is the commands have been not reduced, but advanced or elevated to the law of love. You will find out that if you sin tomorrow, and I hope you're not planning to, this is hypothetical. But if you do, you will have either violated the law of love towards God or towards someone else. Do you see this? And the Holy Ghost's job is to lead you into love, amen, amen. for God. And for, he will never lead you into a place where you're doing something that doesn't demonstrate love for God no. or for people. That's right. You understand that? Ever. No, he will maximize that love relationship with God and others. He's never one to tell you, go get him. Amen. Vengeance is mine. <laughs> I'm going to do something about it. No, he's never going to be the one doing that. Now, he'll tell you how to deal with things, even when things are hurting you, things are, are coming against you. But any, anything you do that steps out of love for God or people, that is the command for you and for me. Yeah. And guess what? By the Spirit of God, you have the capacity to love because the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. Don't say, I can't love. That's right. Amen. You can. Yes. And guess what? Faith yes. works by love. By love. It won't work outside of the love command. So you've got all these commands. They're even mentioned in Deuteronomy. They're mentioned, of course, in Leviticus. And you think, so I'm supposed to keep all of them so that I can benefit from all the benefits of the blessing. No. Here's what's happened. All the promises of the Bible, listen, are still valid for you, even though the law has passed away. You missed a great place to shout. Amen. All the promises, the promises do not pass away, even though the law has. You can have all of them. If you can find in the Word of God, guess what? Don't listen to some crotchety old preacher telling you that the Psalms don't apply to you and you can't have the promises of Proverbs. Just turn that thing off. If it's in there, guess what? You can have it, but guess what the foundation is? Love. Walking in love with God and with others. I'm glad I'm in the New Testament, don't you? Aren't you glad you're born again? Amen. Amen. Here are... Ten things hanging on that curtain rod. Amen. And since you've been redeemed from the curse, and because these are promises or effects of the blessing, you should be walking in every one of them. And if you find out that you're not, then you put some faith pressure in that particular area in your life. But how do you know if you get mad one day and then uh, get upset and go after people and knock that curtain rod down? What happens when you knock curtain rod down? 
You know, when we, we went out to county and, and bought this house, I put in what I thought was a really good closet system. You know, the hang your clothes on. And I guess I was, I guess I was in Fort Worth. And to come home and she says, the whole thing has collapsed. All these, you know, things that were on the, on the rod and things pulled away from the wall. And they're just down there. And he said, she said, can you take care of this? I said, well, you're going to have to pull them all out and then do it and then fortify it again. And I did. I put several more brackets on that thing. And I spoke to it, too. I said, you rebellious closet in Jesus' name. Now you shape up. And do you know what? A few days later, I walked in there, and it fell again. <laughs> so now there's like 12 brackets on that thing. It ain't coming back unless it ain't going to fall down if there's a nuclear war. You understand what I'm saying? It is up forever in Jesus' name. Supporting that thing, because I didn't want everything falling down. Where's your focus? Where's it supposed to be? On the curtain rod. Put the focus on the rod. Make sure it's intact every day. And you'll be seeing these things walk, operating in your life. Not opening up Leviticus. Well, I got to do this and I got to do this. No, what you do is if you keep the love command, you will obey what God has said. You'll be walking in, in unity with the Spirit of God and great things will happen in your life. Listen, everything's ever happened bad on this earth happened because somebody walked out of love with God or walked out of love with people. And it took the work of Christ, and it took the anointing, the Spirit of God, it took the New Testament to show us that that's what actually happened in the garden. The Bible says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. And since Jesus reduced this, and it reduces a bad word because it implies a lesser lifestyle, it's not. It's actually a grander lifestyle. He elevated it to the realm of the love walk. If you love me, you will what? You will love my God, my Father, and you will love other people. That's what he brought. So with that in mind, listen to these. In, uh, in verse 3, number 1, you're empowered to succeed. You're empowered to succeed everywhere you go. Everywhere I go? I didn't say it. Let me say it again. The promises have not passed away, even if the law, if you're not under the law, it still applies to you. The promises are yours. That's how Deuteronomy 28 needs to be approached for the New Testament believer. Does it still relate to us? You better believe it does. But it pertains to the love walk. You are empowered to succeed, to excel, to increase, and bear much fruit everywhere you go. Coming to church, leaving church. Going to work, coming home. Going on vacation, wherever you are, you should be expecting what? Empowerment to succeed. Not long stretches where you fail or where things don't work out, but expect yourself to succeed. Number two, children that are blessed. It matters if you're children of the upright. See, if you get this, you start to understand, I don't need to act like a fool no. to be prosperous in this life. I don't need to act like a fool and compromise God's word to get ahead. No. In fact, the sure way to get ahead and the, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich, the Bible says, but he adds no sorrow 
to it means that toil doesn't add anything to it. Do you see this? Come on, say it. Toil adds nothing to it. Your most amazing life is keeping the love walk and trusting, believing God for everything on that golden run. Amen. And blessed children. That means the family and the animals under the household are blessed. Amen. That's right. Now, you may not have cattle, but if you do, blessed. You may not have chickens, but if you do, cluck, cluck, blessed. Amen. If your house sounds like a dog pound, blessed. Have a blessed dog pound. If you got a bunch of cats running around, blessed. As hard as it is for me to say that, blessed. You're giddy, giddy, giddy. Somebody asked me one time what pastoring is like, and I said, it's like herding cats. Meow. Don't look at me in that tone, stay in love. Don't, don't knock your curtain rod. <laughs> Especially American cats. Not just cats, but American cat type of cats. Amen. <laughs> they are unique animals. This is, a, this is a true story. I had a cat named Tiger. I had, as a child, the smartest cat in the universe, followed up by the dumbest cat in the universe when the other one died. But this cat was so smart. I had it from the time it was a baby, just weaned. And I went and walked up to the grade school, which was about five blocks away. And I went in the school. At about 10, 10, 30, all the kids run to the window. Windows were open back then. Y'all remember not every school had air conditioning. And there's this tabby cat sitting outside, meowing at the window. That cat had found where I was at. And it was such a big disruption, the principal finally comes down and says, is this your cat? And I said, well, yeah. <laughs> he took me and the cat, got in his car, took him down the road, he had to put him in a shed so he would not follow. I, listen, a, a dog follows you. Cats don't follow you to school. Then I had another one that was not tabby cubs like tiger, but, but a black and a white spotted one. It was called Patches. And uh, you look at it, one eye went this way and the other eye went that way. And I thought, this is going to work out. And I mean, where, where Tiger was brilliant, this was the dumbest cat in the universe. And that was, that was it for me with cats. Amen. And I'm about to be dumb with dogs, but be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> I've, been, I've been trumped over here. I know what she's saying. Golden curtain rod, brother. Golden curtain rod. But how many you think your kids should be blessed more than you? Yes. How many believe it should extend to a thousand generations of those that love the Lord? Yes. Then hold on to it. Don't put up with it. Don't look at your reality and say this is the way it's going to be. Nonsense. You're keeping the love walk. You're honoring God. You believe God for the blessing. And verse 5, number 3, plenty of food and any substance or material that pertains to life. Anything in the material realm you need. It's part of the blessing. You can see the lack is not under the blessing. Number four, favoring coming and going, including protection, direction, and provision. Say that, protection, protection. Direction, direction, and provision. Glory to God. Come on, say it with me. The promises 
never pass away, even if the law does. Anybody like favor? That's opportunity, coming and going. Number five, defeat of our enemies. Natural and supernatural. They'll come at you in one direction, what will happen? What does that tell you? He's on the job for those that are blessed. He's operating. And it just means he doesn't need your help to deal with your enemies. Now, we like to help him out, and all we do is make it worse. And all we're doing is compromising our own potential to walk in the fullness of the blessing. We're not talking about, you know, a smidgen here and there, a little taste of the blessing here and there. We're talking about the fullness of the blessing. We're talking about everything that's supposed to hang on that that golden curtain rod, walking in all of it. And, you know, let God take care of them. The scripture does say, vengeance is mine. Says the Lord. Hello, pay attention. The Lord says this. Um... I will repay. Well, some of y'all are just like Destiny Planets. Lord, you take too long. (laughs) Well, that's really not for you or for me to decide. It does seem that way that people do things and do things and get away with it and get away with it. If you get your focus on that, you're going to compromise the best life that God has for you. Let the Lord take care of those that despitefully use you and abuse you and persecute you and talk behind your back and stab you in the back and betray you. Let the Lord take care of all of that. You focus on what the word says here. Maintain your love for God and other people and fight for it like a vengeance and watch and see. You'll walk in more of the blessing this year than ever before. That was number five. Number six, increase on your storage places and what you put your hand to. Increase is part of that blessing. Um, like Christians think it's strange that you have to be like the world, do like the world, act like the world to get increased. No, you just have to do what God says and He can increase you. Amen. His word assures that you'll be increased by what? By hearing, believing, amen, saying, and doing. Now, even right now, you hear these wonderful promises. You can say, well, that applies to somebody else. It doesn't work for me. It never worked for me. It's not going to work for me. You just made a decision. Yep. You decided not to believe the plain teachings of Scripture. Well, guess what? I believe. Amen. Amen. Say it, I believe. Say it with me. All the promises are yes and they're amen. But they're only yes and amen to those that believe. You're on number seven? Yes. Established means to make you a distinction, to make you stand out. God's blessing on your life is going to cause you to stand out. There's going to be a distinction on you. There's going to be just something about you in every dimension of the blessing, including things like the anointing and the power of God and, and the peace of God. You know, you can sometimes walk by somebody and they carry the peace of God. There's not turmoil and strife and nonsense in them. There's just the peace of God operating in their life. That's all part of that distinction. Uh, he wanted to make them a distinction so they would stand out in the world. And that's what God wants for you and for me as well. Number eight, abundant prosperity is a promise that has not passed away. There are all kinds of Christians who would scoff at that openly and and privately pursue it with everything they've got. Work 80, 90 hours, go through three marriages, whatever, and be officially in the church anti-prosperity because they want the stain of being one of those people. 
Let me tell you something. I want everything God said I could have, and I don't care what people think. I'm not going to allow the attitudes or opinions of people to get me to back off what Jesus paid such a high price to give me. Blood was shed for you and for me to have this. God help us if we don't tap into what he has for us. Amen. Uh, a lot of Christians, religious folks want to stay in this little bubble where they say, with my hands, I have produced this. I officially don't believe that God does this. Well, you're a fool, first of all, because whether you acknowledge him or not, God's the one that did it. Even in your ignorance, God is good. He sends what? Rain on the just and the unjust. And we're not talking about ruining your golf game. We're talking about the blessing of rain. The goodness of God hits the unjust as well as the just because that's the kind of God that he is. If that's true, how much more the just who are living by faith? Say it with me, abundant prosperity. How many understand this is one beautiful closet? Golden curtain run. Huh? Praise God. Praise God. Say it, abundant prosperity. And that includes material, but it includes all things that pertain to life and godliness. Um, it's wonderful. Next is an open heaven that causes all the work of your hands to be blessed, even to the point of being debt-free. Amen. You're already debt-free spiritually. That's right. Which is a greater miracle? You being spiritually debt-free or financially debt-free? So you might say, well, you haven't seen my debt for sure. <laughs> uh, I assure you, your sin debt is far exceeding anything you'll ever do yes. financially. God's able to do the one, he's able to do the other. But watch this, an open heaven. Yeah. Yep. To live on this earth with an open heaven above you. Wow. The glory, the manifest presence and power and goodness of God, the favor of God, the joy, the love of God, the peace of God falling on you like the sun rays hit you. It's an open heaven over your life. And here's the thing he just screamed at me today. He will bless all the work of my hands. Say all. all. What does A double L mean? All. Say it again. All. It means all, which means the work of my hands with my marriage, the work of my hands with my family, the work of my hands with my granddaughter, the work of my hands with ministry, the work of my hands with whatever relationship or whatever endeavor I'm called to do and whatever you're called to do as well. Everything, all the work of your hands succeeding. Well, God makes some to fail and some to succeed. Sorry, not scriptural. No, that's right. You're called to succeed. Amen. You're doing something for God, it's called to succeed. Sleep in heavenly peace is called to succeed. Is God blessing it? Yes. Yeah. Lowe's, Saturday, 9 o'clock. Murray. <laughs> Going to help build beds? Call you to succeed in all the work of your hands. You say, well, I, I succeed over here, but you know, I'm not succeeding over here. You may have success maybe in financial realm or maybe the business realm or whatever, but the relationships, you say, I'm not a success. That can change. Amen. Yeah. Yes. Instead of you saying, well, it's just the way it is. It'll never happen. Don't put your faith towards what will never happen. Put your faith towards what the word of God says you can have. That's right. Say it with me, all the work of your hands. All whatever you put your hand to is supposed to prosper. And succeed, whatever you're working on, work, ministry, relationships, whatever you're doing, guess what? You should expect it to succeed. Yes. 
That's the promise of God. Did you hear what he said? That's the promise of God. An open heaven that causes all the work of your hands to be blessed. Look at your hands. Look at your hands. Say hands. Whatever you do is supposed to succeed. That is so diametrically opposite to what the carnal Christian thinks. Number 10, you're to be the head and not the tail. That means you're to be at the forefront. That means you're supposed to be leading the way. It means you're supposed to be in the place of honor, esteem, and influence. Amen? It means you walk into the banquet table and you take the lower seat and the Lord Jesus Christ calls your name and tells you to sit up there at the head with him. Amen. In front of everybody. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. You're not Haman who gets lowered in the eyes of the people because he's a scoundrel. I just want to tell you this. Don't you think you have to take the work of God in your own hands and dealing with people who have been spiteful or hurtful, whatever it is. Haman's always hang. Yeah. Always. Absalom's always dangle from the tree eventually. And God doesn't need your help to take care of it. Your job, stay in love. Come on, say, my job, stay in love no matter what. And you say, is it always easy? No. Some people will challenge that. But you know what you can do? Use them like a weight. And build your muscle, your love muscle. Is that all you got, devil? <laughs> Is that all you got? <laughs> Say it with me. The leader. The leader. At the forefront. At the place of honor. Place esteem. Of honor. And influence. And in 28, 13, and 14, here's how he closes this section. Not by accident. And the Lord shall make thee the head, and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only, thou shalt not be beneath. If thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. Everybody say, to observe. observe. And what? To do. Thou shalt not go aside from any of these words, which I command thee this day, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods, to serve them. In other words, based on what Jesus said in Matthew 22, you love the Lord your God consistently. Amen. With all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Don't go after other gods, other idols. Don't be distracted. Don't put anything else on the throne of your heart but God. And love people. And just what? And guess what will happen? Everything in the closet. Amen. Now, it's possible coming out of love, you've knocked some things down. Guess what? Well, you just do what I did. Amen. Reinforce it. And stick it back up there again. Amen. Do you know the devil will send people your way just to see if you can knock down your rod? How many have fallen for that before? Yes. <laughs> Come on, raise your hand up. How many have fallen for that trick? But now you know better. Amen. And that's all that is. Now, I don't recommend when somebody is trying to be mean to you, say, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to knock down my golden curtain rod. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to let you do it. They won't have a clue what you're talking about. <laughs> but you do. You just walk away praying to the Holy Ghost saying, you know what? I am not going to let that person cause my rod to be knocked down with all these 10 blessings, amen, that represent the fullness of the blessing. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to have everything God says I can have, amen. amen. 
If you can hear, believe, and say and do this, come on, give him a big hand clap and thank him for it tonight. Amen.